hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America on Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm fresh back from my trip from India and Australia by invitation, and boy, what a time I had. We had an entourage in India. My wife, Maha, joined myself and true crime author, best-selling author, John Leake. We were joined by Dr. Asim Malhotra from the United Kingdom, a cardiologist, a lead barrister in the Supreme Court, Prashant Bushnan, and a whole variety of leading Indian doctors. We held a big scientific symposium there, met with dignitaries. I found out a lot in India uh, that the majority uh, did not take the vaccine. Uh, they knew something was wrong uh, regarding vaccination, and they're largely through it at this point in time. They had unnecessary closures of schools all the way through April of 2022, which was wrong, and they knew it. But India is through the pandemic, and we are off to Australia. And what a time there. Uh, Asim Malhotra stayed on to lecture in Mumbai as we landed in Australia, we were joined by a wonderful team. We are hosted by billionaire Clive Palmer, his assistants, Sue Ellen Wrightson and James McDonald. Uh, Dr. Melissa McCann from Northern Australia and her husband, Jared. Pierre Corey came over from the United States. Again, myself, Maha, John Leake. And uh, then we embarked on a series of lecture tours, meeting with dignitaries, press releases. Thousands of people uh, crammed into coliseums, various venues, major concert venues. I felt like a rock star, even though I wasn't. And I don't have an electric guitar. All I have is my laptop computer and the data. But boy, was it fun. I must have taken a thousand pictures. All of you listening who are fans, make sure you post the pictures on social media and uh, and give us your feedback. I've asked the Australians to send in questions to America Out Loud Pulse, and we'll curate them and answer questions. We answered questions this week for Pulse, and we'll do it again next week. What a great time. The Australians were uh, wonderful. They've largely now, I think, gotten through the pandemic. Most of their COVID cases occurred in the fully vaccinated with the failure of the vaccines, and now they're in the wrap-up phase on COVID-19 vaccine injuries. Uh, in Australia, the claim is that 95% uh, of individuals were uh, took a, at least one shot of a vaccine. The current rate of boosters is 25% in that country. In the United States, I have this CDC data, and I want you to, to uh, hear this. Our CDC claims that of adults, 92% of adults now have taken uh, at least one shot and then adults over age 18, same population, that 19.3% are engaged in boosters. So United States, not much different than Australia, although our pandemic responses were very different. I used the analogy of Texas and Australia. Texas is a slightly bigger population than Australia. Obviously, Australia having a bigger geographic size, but we have a varied population in Texas. We have big cities just like Australia does. And uh, Texas, we had some closures of restaurants, other public uh, uh, businesses, and we had public school system closure in the first year of the pandemic, but we didn't lock down. We weren't protesting in the streets. We weren't out like in Melbourne shooting rubber bullets at each other uh, as the Australians were doing. We didn't put five-kilometer 
perimeters around our houses. And we didn't do the things that Australia has done. They have now decertified a large number of doctors because they've spoken out regarding COVID-19, attempted to treat patients or had concerns regarding the vaccines. All of that is unethical, immoral, from a clinical perspective, illegal. Now, for this week's show, we've come back to the United States, and I have uh, attorney Lucia Sinatra. And boy, isn't that a great name. Uh, It's an Italian name. It's her married name, but she's a wonderful lady. I met her in person at an event here at the Dallas uh, Arboretum that I led with Asim Malhotra. I had a chance to meet her. We ultimately uh, hooked up for a long program interview on college mandates for vaccines. Now, she has started a nonprofit organization called No College Mandates, and she is arguably the most knowledgeable person on COVID-19 college vaccine mandates than anybody in the country. And anybody of you who has college-age children in and around your circles, you're going to want to hear this interview. Great resources, and we'll have that on the front side and the back side of the McCullough Report. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Have you had COVID-19 recently or have suffered a vaccine injury syndrome? You know, all of these conditions are metabolic, catabolic strains on the body. The body has increased needs for essential micronutrients and minerals, and the GI tract may not be functioning completely normally in terms of absorption. The solution, Healthy Cell. Healthy Cell has an entire product line using microjo technologies. So these are in liquid gel packs that you simply uh, rip open and a quick squirt and you've got everything you need in terms of nutrients. The product lines are the Immune Super Boost, the uh, Focus in Memory, and my favorite, the REM Sleep Supplement for an ideal night's sleep. Try them out. Go to HealthyCell.com and enter in out loud for a discount on your first purchase. Oh, or go on our platform, America Out Loud Talk Radio, and click on the banner bar, Healthy Cell, to get your discount on your first boxes of uh, Healthy Cell products. So let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Let's get real. Let's get loud. On America Loud Talk Radio, this is a McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. It's a great, really a great honor to welcome to the microphone someone who I met several months ago at the Dallas Arboretum for a Vaccine Safety Research Foundation seminar that I held with Dr. Asim Malhotra from the UK. And she came up to me and she's uh, an incredible woman. 
uh, beautiful uh, Lucia Sinatra. And boy, what a great name that is. Uh, Lucia attended undergraduate at Fordham uh, University and uh, received her bachelor's degree and then on to Fordham for her JD, her law degree. She now works for a nonprofit for the last two years called No College Mandates. And the reason why I brought her on is uh, I received so many questions from parents about our age with uh, children who are attending college, about to attend a college. I just got a question like this last night. And I wanted everyone in, the, in our broad listenership to understand where we are with university and college mandates, uh, why they exist, and, and what can be done about it. So, uh, Lucia, thanks you so much for joining us on the McCullough Report. Thank you so much for inviting me today, Dr. McCullough. It's such an honor to be with you. Well, why don't you kick it off by telling us about the organization, why uh, it was founded, and your roles and, and how things have gotten going with it. Sounds great. Um, so I co-founded No College Mandates in December of 2021, um, and we did it largely in response to colleges, um, not only that earlier that spring and that summer mandated the primary series vaccines, uh, but at that time, uh, sort of uh, towards the latter half of 2021, they decided to mandate uh, boosters. And it was at that point um, that I could no longer sit silent um, for something that I knew uh, was so wrong for this young, healthy adult population. Um, so, uh, so we launched this organization and we started uh, very grassroots. Um, we collected a bunch of parents uh, that thought and felt similarly um, to what we did. Uh, we put up social media pages, we put up a website, we put up a substack, and we organically grew um, to, uh, to include uh, students, parents, professors, MDs, alumni, uh, you name it, basically anybody um, that is interested and um, and wanting to get involved to help end uh, these unethical and unscientific uh, COVID-19 vaccine uh, mandates at uh, colleges, mostly in the United States, interestingly enough, Dr. McCullough, um, we have the largest amount of, of colleges in the world uh, that mandate uh, primary series COVID-19 vaccines. It's over a thousand colleges here. Uh, there are colleges in Canada. Uh, we work closely um, with students in Canada um, to also um, to share resources and 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 share strategies for help uh how to fight college mandates in canada i've been contacted by lawyers in the netherlands new zealand australia um really all over the world um because students international students largely um want to access um higher education um, in the united states so it's it's a worldwide problem um when we started the organization, uh, our mission was to save as many students as we possibly could. So we put up resources to secure medical and religious exemptions. Um, we quickly turned our energies then um, to, uh, to, to reaching out to colleges with letter campaigns, phone campaigns, petitions, Align acts, um, anything that we could do, uh, writing articles, embarrassing them, getting media appearances, shaming these awful policies. Um, and that is sort of where, where we are now on the mission. You know, the, the nice thing about exemptions is it saves you for the moment. The bad thing about exemptions is it's not going to end 
vaccine mandates. And we can't trust that these colleges won't go back uh, and remove the option to have a mandate or won't do this at some point in the future. So the majority of our mission now is um, finding strategies uh, to fight back against these unethical and unscientific mandates. Uh, they are causing harm uh, to college students in the way of uh, severe adverse reactions. They are causing deaths um, at the college level and, uh, and enough is enough. Um, there's absolutely no reason um, to have these policies in place. Uh, their narratives are outdated um, and referring to this is the best way to protect our community. This is the only way to protect our community. Um, the most difficult part of this fight is that we cannot get colleges to engage with us. Um, they won't respond to our letters. They won't respond to our phone calls. Um, so we have to strategize other ways. Uh, we have to find ways to support colleges that never mandated uh, COVID-19 vaccines. Um, and we have to prop up and, and build, honestly, I, I think build new institutions um, that respect medical freedom and that we are certain will always respect medical freedom. Have you had a chance to, at least with one university, do uh, some investigation to figure out who actually made the decision to have a mandate? Well, <laughs> We've tried. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's a complicated um, question, um, in the sense that depending on whether you're a state university like the University of California system, we believe that the policies at the University of California, which is a public uh, university system in California that those policies are driven by the Board of Regents. And um, just a few months ago, interestingly enough, um, I have some insider information. I work with faculty and doctors and MDs um, that are both uh, still working in the UC community and that have been fired from the UC community. And the Board of Regents were in disagreement about whether to mandate the bivalent booster at the University of California system. So what they did is about a month ago, the University of California announced that you can opt out of booster mandates. Um, prior to that, they had announced uh, that they would mandate the bivalent booster. So we saw this as, as a win uh, they do still mandate the primary series, but we saw it as a win because there was a lot of community pushback on mandating the bivalent booster. So we know that we got to the Board of Regents. Uh, we know that there was also some internal fighting among the Board of Regents and that that is probably what led to this opt-out policy. At private schools, we believe the policies are coming quite honestly from the general counsels and the lawyers that are 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 advising colleges um, that in order to av avoid liability for injuries or de or death from the COVID nineteen virus, we believe um, that the 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 one thousand colleges that still mandate primary series vaccines are being told that they they need to mandate these vaccines in order to protect the community and in order to avoid liability. Well, uh, along those lines, has there ever been a case where a student had COVID, and then the student or the family sued the university and won some type of award because they they had COVID? 
No, not to my knowledge. So that that um, motivation or that rationale wouldn't be supported by any precedent. Right. Uh, we know virtually everything with COVID under the PrEP Act is immune from liability. Correct. So whether whether or not someone got COVID in the workplace or the classroom or what have you, they, they can't sue anybody for getting COVID. Right. Uh, likewise, if you take the vaccine and you get a blood clot, you can't sue anybody for a blood clot. Right. So the, the attorneys picking liability uh, doesn't seem tractable. Um, the reason why I'm drilling on this is that if we don't get to the bottom line of where these are coming from, they'll never right. be solved. So right. let's, go, let's go back to the Board of Regents, uh, California. They must generate meeting minutes, right? Right. So right. those meeting minutes can be obtained, and then you can figure out who on the Board of Reason, Re Regents was pushing the vaccines. Right. Right. And, and this and is, the, yep. yeah. Yeah, and, and you're you're absolutely right. And and I don't, you know, to go back to your earlier point, I don't know if it's just one reason, right, Dr. McCullough. So I think, you know, I've had I've had university deans call me and say, you're all wrong. You know, it's not NIH uh, grant funding, or it's not federal funding, it's not liability reasons. It's faculty pressure. Um, I've had other university um, deans and professors call me and say, no, nope, you're all wrong. It, it isn't faculty pressure and it isn't NIH federal funding and it isn't liability um, advice from general counsel. It's, it's alumni um, and it's alumni donations or uh, we don't take any federal funding. And we have a, a faculty and a staff that's pretty neutral about these mandates, yet we are following some of the bigger universities and colleges in our states because that's what do, they're doing. So in New Jersey, for example, a small liberal arts college that might have a vaccine mandate that gets very little federal funding, doesn't have a general counsel, but yet is following vaccine mandates because Rutgers has vaccine mandates. And they're the largest R1 research institution in the state of New Jersey. They get the most federal funding. So if they are instituting these policies, then there must be good reason for it. And we're going to follow that. In your assessment of things, um, have you actually ever saw uh, either a, a university president, provost, or a member of the Board of Regents publicly come out and say that they are responsible for these vaccine mandates. No, public? no, I have not. I have not seen that. I, I think that says a lot because what we're hearing is just a diffuse general array of reasons to have mandates without any accountability, without Correct. anybody. And I can tell you, if the university was gonna have a fundraising campaign to raise money for a new science building, that there would be a face behind that campaign. There would be that person's picture. They would be in charge of it. There would be all this accountability. When universities get major grants, they always feature who the person is who got the grant. Uh, when people become deans and provosts, it's a big deal. Everyone has accountability. But for vaccine mandates, no one, no one is forward facing and standing behind these. That's right. That's right. Not only is no one forward facing, but it's nearly impossible unless you do some serious digging, like you said, coming up with uh, meetings from the Board of Regents. It's nearly impossible to even find, and especially at the private universities where they don't have to publish this information, um, it's nearly impossible to find who's really behind um, the policies, who's really 
uh, researching the policies. What do they really believe? Um, because quantitatively, it's very difficult to know how many people uh, actually you know actually support these policies at the college level whether it's faculty staff administration because nobody is forward facing um, and nobody will disagree with whatever the policy is at the particular university um, and and you know just by my personal experience reaching out um, like i said to fa current faculty current staff at a variety of different universities and 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 bringing studies to their attention on adverse effects um, I've gotten responses back saying we're fully aware of the studies. We're fully aware that myocarditis is a risk factor for young men, but you are underestimating the political and bureaucratic nature of these vaccine mandates. If you think that we have the power to present an adverse reaction report and get the college to go back on their political and bureaucratic decision. You know, this is um, again. This is the the your your group's efforts are so important, but I think a whole uh, continued investigation into accountability is is going to be necessary. Yep. Uh, including board of regents uh, meeting minutes to figure out where this is coming from. I think another line of investigation is which one of these universities really have federal funding that's either tied to vaccines or did they take COVID community core funding from the White House HHS in 2021? So on the website, we, we can do this. You can actually get lists of all, all the all the entities that took money to push right. the vaccines, uh, including the NFL, the Major League Baseball, Hollywood, uh, and that may be another uh, avenue. So the idea is if a university took money the chief financial officer or the, the people in, in charge would say, listen, for compliance reasons, we have to have a mandate. We took federal money for That's this. Right. That's right. Uh, but I think that would be worthwhile uh, to, to figure that out. Uh, and then, you know, for the universities that have mandates, do they have any type of vaccine injury management program, uh, anything for the students who get blood clots and heart damage or those who die? No, no, not not that I know of. They won't even acknowledge. Uh, they'll find, um, you know, they, they won't even acknowledge. First of all, they won't investigate. They won't ask questions. Um, you know, second of all, if they do uh, get a report um, of myocarditis or uh, blood clots or, you know, whatever, they're, they're just going to ignore it. They're not going to give a reason for it. Um, they're just going to ignore it. They're certainly not going to push that information out to the community. In fact, when students die on college campuses, um, it's even very difficult to find these communications in school newspapers and in local newspapers in the town. If you do, um, it's, a, it's a very small write-up about student who died suddenly and unexpectedly or student who died of a heart attack, no known cause. And then when you go to follow up, because uh, several of these reports will say we'll provide more information when it's available but when you go to find that more information it's never available there never is any follow-up um there never is any investigation to what caused the sudden and unexpected death and um and nobody's questioning it Do dr mccullough there are a few of us right there are 
there's our group and there's a few other groups that are fighting uh, college vaccine mandates and their parent groups and um, and we can't get answers. We can't get anybody to respond and we can't get anybody to conduct investigations. And because we we you know we're not a, a majority in in many of these mandate colleges, you know they can just ignore us and hope that we'll go away and quiet down. But but what about the parents? So the parents yeah. have paid tuition. Yep. They have their their product of uh, you know a wonderful marriage and you have a wonderful child goes off to university forced to take the vaccine uh, and then you know heart damage or a blood clot uh, a stroke uh, disabled or dies uh, have you encountered parents who really just take this all the way to the university and uh, and start to really really raise this issue so um, I've got one parent um, that I'm in contact with, and he lost his son. Uh, his son was a, uh, a SUNY upstate New York um, college student in the State University of New York, a SUNY college. And behind his parents' back, and at the recommendation of his college, he took two Pfizer, Pfizer vaccines, one in September of 2021, uh, and he started to have pee in his urine and he didn't tell anybody about it. He took his second vaccine at the suggestion of the college, which said, please get Pfizer vaccines because there is a three-week waiting period versus Moderna, which is a four-week waiting period. So three weeks later, this boy, again, went behind his parents' back, got his second vaccine, and things got progressively worse for him. Uh, he went to the emergency room. They diagnosed him with a sinus infection both times. He was getting progressively worse until one morning he woke up and he could barely walk and uh and he basically died in his mother's arms that morning and um and we have this is going uh going to be an active lawsuit we are um i can't speak about many of the details at the moment um new york is a sovereign state so we can't sue the state of new york and we can't sue governor hochul um and the uh, new york state department of health who are responsible for these mandates um but we are going through certain procedures and filings um so that we can uh, find a way to hold somebody responsible uh, for this college student's death it seems to me some type of standard like substantial encouragement or pressure or coercion threat of reprisal, you know, the, the stimulating factor that had this boy take the vaccine or in a more clear cut example where uh, the child was mandated to take the vaccine to actually enroll right. in school would be, um, would be exemplary. You know, when I went on the Joe Rogan podcast in December of 2021, Joe had the vignette of a student named Simone, African-American uh, young woman, uh, who was attending Northwestern University, she takes Moderna yes. and then develops fulminant myocarditis and uh, then goes all the way to heart transplant at Northwestern Hospital and then dies afterwards, I believe, of a, a post-transplant infection. Right. And, you know, the questions I have is, you know, where are these parents? Uh, where's yep. Northwestern University? Uh, did anybody say they're sorry? Uh, did yep. they even give the tuition money back? Yeah. Um, you know, basic questions like that. Yeah. And, and where is the outrage uh, among the parents? 
where, where is this visible outrage? It should be very easy yep. to have visible outrage here. And I'm, I'm just like the initial part of this conversation where we don't know where the vaccines came from. We don't know who's uh, really, really behind them. Nobody seems to be accountable. There's no apparent reason for them. When people are injured or die, no one seems to care. I, I mean, yeah. the whole thing seems so bizarre. It, it's mind-boggling. I mean, those are uh, those are the questions we ask ourselves day in and day out. Why is nobody asking questions? Why is nobody demanding answers? Where are the parents? Where is the community outrage? It's um, it's a it's just a, it's a really difficult thing. I mean, there's just you know, again, I can't quantify how many students are pro mandate, how many students are not pro mandate, but uh, but took the vaccines because they were promised normalcy and their lives are easier if they take the vaccines and they're not discriminated against or ostracized on campus or forced to mask or forced to test. And then there are the students we absolutely know don't want to take these vaccines. And those are the ones we scramble to get the exemptions for. Um, and and at this point, it you know, it, it just sometimes it seems as though you know, there's every, it's just apathy. There's just, there's, you know, there's not, uh, there's not enough of a realization of just how much harm um, and injury death um, has come um, from these vaccines in a cohort that never needed the vaccines in the first place. Um, and I just can't make sense of, of why, you know, uh, there isn't there isn't more critical thinking around um, the idea to take a medical intervention. It's easier to just concede and take it than it is to critically think about whether you need it and say no. I think apathy is the operative word, and, and until we get to the bottom line, are why so people? Why are so many people apathetic about this? They lose their child, and they don't seem to care. Um, it, 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 it is, it, like I say, it's mind boggling. And um, we're going to take a break now. And I want to pick up on this because you have a lot of insights on the backside of the McCullough Report. You've been listening to uh, an interview that I'm having with Miss Lucia Sinatra, who's an attorney, and she's leading a not-for-profit organization called No College Mandates. This is a McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Well, you're hearing the news about the convergence of influenza, respiratory syncytial virus, and now SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, hitting at the same time in some households. Uh, most of these conditions are mild, but they are bothersome. People have fever, cough, congestion, uh, respiratory symptoms, and one of the best ways to safeguard your home is with the Genesis Fogger. The Genesis Fogger uses HOCl, that is a safe disinfectant, uh, it is virucidal. It kills the virus in the air 
and on surfaces. It creates a dry mist. You can use it to sterilize certain rooms, sterilize bathrooms particularly, and I think every household should have it. So go to America Out Loud website, go to the banner bar and click on Genesis Fogger to get a discount on your purchase. And you're going to need it because the first purchase involves the uh, unit itself and then you'll get a box of the liquid that's used inside. It's diluted in water and that's basically the supply. And you're given a, a, a real good number of bottles that'll last you a long time. But go ahead and pick up the discount on the first purchase when you go to our banner bar on America Out Loud and that's the Genesis Fogger. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm having the most interesting conversation with a wonderful woman who's like, like me, cares about young people who are harmed or dying after the vaccine. And, and we are befuddled, to say the least, about the apathy among parents and, and family members and siblings when college students uh, are injured or die after the vaccine. Now, recently at Michigan State University, there was a shooting and several students died and it made national TV and there was outrage but we're not seeing the same outrage for the next student who dies of the vaccine. Yep. Well, no, we're, we're certainly not. Uh, there's just, you know, I'm so glad you brought up Michigan too, Dr. McCullough, because just yesterday um, there's a huge amount of outrage over an announcement that University of Michigan made um, just yesterday. So, and, and I hope that this turns into a movement, right? So um, we talked earlier in our conversation how there's a lot of apathy, but we need parents and students to get on board. We need them to revolt. We need them to fight back, push back. These policies are not going to go away on their own. They're not going to go away with um, unless there's a tremendous amount of, of pushback on these universities. So University of Michigan um, announced yesterday um, and they made it sound like it was a uh, an evolution or an ad advancement of their COVID-19 vaccine policies um, when it's anything but. So they announced that uh, students that are going to be living on campus at their Ann Arbor campus must take the bivalent booster by May 15th. This is a for fall 2023, Dr. McCullough. So incoming freshmen are required to be up to date. Upperclassmen will be required to get a second booster by May 15th in order for them to enroll 2023. The Flint and Dearborn campuses are largely commuter schools for University of Michigan. So there is no vaccine mandate if you are a commuter if you don't live on campus. And there are various vaccine mandates for faculty and staff. And then of course, University of Michigan Medical um, has, has all of the, the mandates still in place, which is primary series and booster requirement. Um, so 
what my confusion is, is if they're they're forcing compliance by May 15th, for students that are gonna start school in fall of 2023, how does this make any sense? If there's any effectiveness whatsoever, let's just say for argument's sake, with these vaccines in terms of preventing students from getting severely ill or dying, will that effectiveness not be gone by September, September 2023? Yet they push these mandates as if they're making advancements and as if they're protecting the community and doing the best thing by their students and for their students. And it's actually just another coercive policy that forces students to take yet another booster that they don't need for, correct me if I'm wrong, a variant that will likely be gone by the time they take the booster or even enter school fall 2023. It's true that the variant, the BA4, BA5 variant is gone now. We now have BQ and XBB, so it's completely obsolete. There's no theoretical benefit at all to the vaccine. Um, well, there's a paper by Clausen and colleagues from Harvard showing that 94% of people have already had COVID in the United States. Right. We're already through it, so COVID is over with. You know, the military has dropped the mandates because they were forced to because of right. uh, the, the funding. Yep. Companies are dropping them. People are back to normal. People are eating in crowded restaurants and all over. So let's stay on University of Michigan. I, I'm an alumni of University of Michigan uh, School of Public Health, so I tweeted out my uh, disappointment uh, there. Um, uh, do the faculty have to take it? They do. Um, and it varies. Um, it varies from department to department. Um, but we believe that, uh, that so there probably is some departments that are exempted out and they haven't specifically said what those departments are because I'm sure the departments can weigh in. Um, if, if it's a clinical or medical um, department without question, they are mandated. And are there example universities where the students had to take the vaccines, but the faculty didn't? Oh, a thousand percent. SUNY is one of those where that boy died. Um, and by the way, I failed to mention earlier that his autopsy report and coroner report um, unequivocally attributed his death to COVID-19 vaccine related myocarditis. The faculty and staff at the SUNY uh, university system are not mandated uh, to take vaccines, yet the students are, because this is how they keep the community safe. But the the people in the university environment who are at risk for hospitalization and death are the faculty, correct? Way, way, way more than the students. Yep. So have they ever given a rationale why the faculty wouldn't have to take it and why the students are being used as human shields, essentially? Zero rationale whatsoever. That is what's going to be uncovered in discovery um, and in communications, hopefully once we bring this lawsuit. Um, and they're not the only college that does this. Uh, there is zero justification. We believe it's because the faculty have more power than the students, right? Faculty and staff can walk out. And if students walk out, especially at these elite universities, there's always going to be another student to take their place. Hmm. That's an interesting rationale. I've always thought students are far more mobile in terms of their their transfer capabilities. You know, you fact, I've, been a, I've been a faculty at university, and I got to tell you, it's it's pretty hard to pick up and leave and and move all your grants and everything. But go ahead. 
You would think so. Um, for students, it's not so easy to transfer either, but it depends on the student and it depends on the program. For example, if you're late in your education, to get another school to accept all your credits um, can be very, very difficult. Um, also, if you're in a specialized program to transfer to another program, that might be uh, similarly um, designed to the program that you're currently enrolled in. Last academic year, Dr. McCullough, there were multiple colleges that prevented students from accessing their transcripts unless they had taken the primary series and boosters. So students were physically prevented from transferring. I have not heard that happen this academic year. I believe that that has softened but kids were forced to drop out last year because they had no option to transfer at the cost of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars that they had already sunk into their education. I'm aware of one vignette, I believe it's in Chicago, where there was a graduate student and he's working towards his PhD and you know how you know you build up all these uh, credits to get to qualifying exams and take qualifying exams and then we'll start working on his thesis. So he was basically working on his thesis. The mandates rolled in. He said, I'm not going to take the vaccine. I'm just going to transfer to another university. They actually met. The faculty met and, and all the program people met. They actually changed the rules of the university so he could not transfer his credits to another university. Wow. Unbelievable. I've heard that same story many, so, many times. So, so you've heard this. So what we're getting down to is why is it in the minds of university faculty administrators to actually hurt the students, hurting the students with the vaccine and now hurting them in terms of their ability to transfer and for them to grow and, and get their education? What's in their minds? It makes no sense. I, I, I wish I knew. Um, it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, they would rather force um, and, you know, coerce a student to take an experimental medical product. What does that mean for the university? Is there payment on how many products they push upon their students? Is it part of the CARES Act contract? What advice are they getting? What is written? What can we find in discovery that is forcing these colleges to force these medical treatments over and above letting a student freely choose whether they want to leave and move to another university? It makes absolutely no sense. It seems to me it's it's punitive. The universities mm -hmm. are actually intentionally trying to harm mm -hmm. the students. And again, it, it you know I'm not hearing anything about student or parent outrage here as well. Um, so this lack of outrage, so harm being done to people, but lack of outrage when harm is actually you know experienced, seems to be part of this very bizarre time that we're in, if any group of people historically have been rebels and have bucked authority and have made their, excuse me, made their, um, their uh, views known, it's college students. But yet at this point in time, they seem to be the least activated, the most docile, uh, the weakest part of our society. Uh, it's really extraordinary. And, and they're being damaged. Their careers are being damaged and ruined. And they don't seem to be outraged or care. I, it's just, to me, it's just the most bizarre thing. 
It is. And I, I think it's endemic of a much larger problem that we've uncovered, right? What is being taught in these universities? Are students being taught to critically think and individually decide on who they want to be and how they want uh, to take care of themselves and what their opinions are and, you know, um, what they want to pursue in life? Or are they being taught that, you know, there's a certain way to think and this is it. And if you don't think this way, you really don't belong here. And instead of seeing students fight back against that they're going along with the narrative and the group think and you know they're going going along with whatever the climate is on campus um in a you know in a majority of of, of the students in a majority fashion it's just uh, it's really discouraging really disheartening um and i think this pandemic has um certainly opened my eyes and many others to just exactly what's happening um, at these institutions of higher learning and 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 how are they teaching you know our our students to be future world leaders I just don't see I don't see it I, I can't I can't make the connections um and and one of the things that we've done as an organization we have we have a couple of volunteers Dr. McCullough and um, we've come up with these very valuable lists of universities um, that are posted on the homepage of our website um, which is www.nocollegemandates.com and the list that just got posted a few days ago is colleges that never mandated COVID-19 vaccines. There are over 500 colleges on those lists. There are, uh, you know, there are many sort of qualifiers on the list, um, Dr. McCann, uh, um, Dr. McCullough, because, you know, for example, in the state of Virginia, um, there was an executive order that said, you know, schools and colleges can't mandate COVID-19 vaccines. But it doesn't mean that all of those colleges are happy about it. If the University of Virginia could mandate vaccines, they would absolutely still be mandating COVID-19 vaccines. I believe the same at Baylor University. They're prevented from executive order from all, um, also uh, mandating COVID-19 vaccines. Um, but from what I've learned from students at Baylor, uh, they made life miserable for students, even though COVID-19 vaccines could only be a recommendation. They made life miserable for the students that did not take these vaccines. So it, as, it was as if a mandate was in place. So we've put lots of notes on the list. Um, a lot of the colleges on the list are in states that ban COVID-19 vaccine mandates, or there are 21 states that ban COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Uh, and as you would imagine, there are a lot of red Republican states. A lot of these colleges are small liberal arts colleges. Many of them are religiously affiliated. However, it is our belief that if, if as a parent group, and as an alumni group and as a student group, if we can start supporting these colleges that never mandated COVID-19 vaccines, we think we can drive them up in interest and popularity. It's already happening at one college called Hillsdale, um, which is a name that, that a lot of people are familiar with um, at this point. They have experienced record interest and growth in the last two years in, uh, in, in students wanting to go to their college. Um, Grove City College in Pennsylvania, Gutenberg in Oregon, Patrick Henry in Virginia, Sadler in Massachusetts. These are among a group of colleges that don't take federal funding. 
In other words, they don't get NIH grants, they don't get federal grants of any kind, they don't participate in federal financial aid or student loan programs. These colleges have preserved freedom and autonomy to run their colleges and universities as they see fit. Many of wow, them are- Yeah, that's terrific. You know, I, I was looking at the landscape, about 6,000 universities uh, and colleges in the United States, about 1,000 currently with mandates. It sounds like 500 never had mandates. You know, I'm a, also an alumni of Baylor. I have a, an, endow yeah. an, an endowment there in my name. And um, and I learned about this. They never mandated the vaccines, but they uh, certainly mandated testing, which is not FDA approved, uh, yeah. weekly testing. And then if the testing wasn't done, then they would turn off internet access and do other things, other cruel things to the students. Um, so again, in the minds, of, you know, Baylor's a Baptist university, uh, uh, something's in the minds of people to hurt other people. And we're seeing it yeah. at university level. Do you know nursing homes don't have mandates for yeah, vaccines? I do nursing know homes would be the one place where <laughs> it, theoretically the vaccines would work and there aren't any mandates. Uh, we have less than 10% of nursing home workers taking vaccines according to the CDC. Colleges are, and universities are the least of our worries but yet they seem to be the biggest focus for vaccination. Is there any, do you have any insight why it would be colleges, universities, and not nursing homes? I think that college students are a captive audience that is easy to manipulate. I honestly believe that. I don't think this is the first time in, in, in US history that college students have been used as science experiments. I haven't done a lot of research on this, but I think this goes back many, many years, decades in fact, um, that, uh, that things can be rolled out on college campuses. We can collect data. Uh, we can see how drugs and different um, you know, sort of therapies, how well they work on college campuses. Um, and, and I believe that some of these big R1 research institutions, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the data they've collected from testing and vaccine vaccinations uh, on their college uh, college campuses with college students, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're using that data um, and if they're using it to you know to further develop more treatments, more medical treatments. You know, if we look at Rutgers University, right? They represent they do clinical trials for all three big pharma companies that 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 produced COVID nineteen vaccines. If I, as a community member, volunteered to participate in those clinical trials, I would have been given informed consent, Dr. McCullough, yet if my son is a student at Rutgers University, zero informed consent, take the vaccine or leave the college. Wow. Now, let me ask you, there's been a couple notable colleges that have been in the news and they had legal proceedings. One was Indiana University. What happened there? Yeah, it was dismissed, um, sadly. Um, so it was dismissed. It went uh, all the way up to the Supreme Court and um, and uh, and Justice Barrett decided not to hear the case. Uh, so the, the, uh, there have probably been 10 or more college lawsuits that have been brought on the constitutionality of COVID-19 vaccine mandates or the right to bodily autonomy, and they have all been dismissed. And how about... Um the University of Western Ontario in London, that was another uh, in, uh, uh, in Ontario. We, we heard that one a lot. What happened there? 
Yeah, um, uh, Western University got um, their vaccine mandates dropped. So I don't know what the current state of that lawsuit is. There was a student in that community that died. Uh, there were active students that protested against that college and university and, um, and that were very outspoken. Um, and they uh, were one of the first uh, of the most tyrannical Canadian colleges uh, that dropped vaccine mandates. So I don't know if that lawsuit has been rendered moot. Um, of course, I don't know if that family that has a student that died is asking questions. Um, another initiative that we have, um, Dr. McCullough, is we recently announced on our Substack uh, that we are looking for college students that have been injured by COVID-19 vaccine uh, vaccines um, that might be willing to bring a lawsuit against their college. We think that maybe um, we can break, you know, uh, especially if if some of these other lawsuits come out, you know, Pfizer clinical trial fraud or, you know, or you name it. Um, we want to try to go after these colleges, even though uh, we know that they feel they're protected from liability under the CARES Act and the PREP Act. We still want the opportunity to file lawsuits for vaccine injuries and vaccine deaths. Um, we, I actually had some benefactors reach out to me and say that they would fully fund these lawsuits if I can find the students. So they're looking for private college students, um, private U.S. college students. Um, and once we sort of vet out the case, um, we believe we can fully fund it. And, um, and it's an initiative we're working really hard uh, to try to get plaintiffs for. It seems to me that um, fraud uh, can come up certainly as uh, a, a charge or something in a complaint that the universities defrauded the students, uh, uh, that the vaccines were safe and effective and recommended. And then also, you know, tortuous interference with of yeah. trying to get an education, that they're, sure. they're interfering, infringing upon the students' uh, rights to an education. And how about breach of contract? I know it's a smaller charge, but but when you think about it, so Fordham University in New York, and you said something um, earlier about some of the other religious institutions, the Jesuit institutions in the U.S. have been some of the most tyrannical of all colleges with their vaccine policies without allowing for religious exemptions. Um, some have allowed for medical exemptions. Some have secretly granted exemptions, but not granted exemptions for others just to render lawsuits moot. Um, so yeah, I mean, Fordham University, uh, this academic year in September 2022, after the students had enrolled fully paid tuition, the university announced a bivalent booster mandate. The deadline was November 1st. These students had nowhere to go. They were fully captive after just having paid full tuition, just having enrolled, and they and the announcement was made uh, uh, with a month time to comply. So you know, I think there are multiple angles um, that can be pursued here. Yeah, it, it seems like they're using every tactic possible to try to force their vaccines on the young students uh, without having accountability, without even being forthright about it, like waiting to the last minute, vir virtually every dastardly deed possible. Um, you know, one suggestion would be to have seminars on uh, university campuses about the vaccines and about COVID and safety and efficacy. And I, I have led such seminars at the University of Nebraska, 
at University of Missouri in Kansas City, where I was formerly the chief of cardiology. Um, I've been in a, a point-counterpoint debate at University of Dallas, which is a Jesuit university. Um, and I've, I've uh, been uh, to Penn State, and I've also been to University of Kansas, where the faculty for both universities uh, failed to show up. But it seems to me that actually taking the message onto university campuses um, may be maybe one approach for your organization to consider. Yeah, it's a great it's a great strategy. Um, I know Steve Kirsch has tried to take it to MIT. That was last year. Um, that was quite a struggle. Um, when he did finally, um, I don't know if you participated in that, but when he did finally get the roundtable scheduled, nobody showed up. Um, Naomi Wolf, as you know, was at Yale University recently um, at a protest um, that a great group of Connecticut freedom fighters organized and invited her to attend. Um, 20 people showed up. Um, no students showed up. Very few students, no faculty, no staff. Um, so it, it's challenging on some of the, obviously in the blue states, um, the more elite schools, because you've either got a campus that is so compliant, Dr. McCullough, we're talking 99, 98% vaccination rates, and they either believe um, in, in the narrative and they believe in the mandate policy or they don't believe in the mandate policy and they're too afraid to speak up about it and they become apathetic to it because it's over, life is almost back to normal, so why would I want to stir up any trouble or cause any problems? You know, it's over. And and with any luck, it'll never happen again. And I just think it's a really short-sighted view. I think a lot of people don't want to hear about it. I gave a presentation to a heavily vaccinated audience last night yep. um, in, in a community north of Dallas. And, and, you know, they were reasonably receptive. I had to be very careful. Most people had taken the vaccine and, and most can't possibly face the reality of what's potentially happened to their body. You know, we're going to have to leave it here. This has been such a great interview. You know, what I'm taking away from this is, uh, you know, I, I can tell you, I'm a full disclosure. I'm age 60. I think people in their 50s and 60s, like us, I think we're far more concerned about this than the students who are 18 <laughs> to 24. That's very observant. I think you're absolutely right. I'm I'm in my early 50s and I feel the same way. You know, in the beginning of this movement or mission that I started, I thought, am I crazy? Why am I the only one that's that's so upset about these policies? Why am I the only one that wants to speak out and wants to see them end? And then, you know, slowly but surely I built a community and created, uh, you know, found like-minded parents. But I still feel it's us, the parents, um, that are leading the effort. And I always said the only reason I started this mission is because there were no students willing to start it. But if and when the day comes that the students are willing to speak for themselves, I'm out. I'm happy to be behind the scenes. I'll do anything I have to to support them. Um, but I really set this organization up as an example um, to students and parents to speak out, join the mission, fight back. Um, you know, this is really, really critical stuff. And, you know, what they've been able to do and get away with, you know, and up to this point is horrific. And I don't think that it's going to stop unless we make it stop. We're going to have to leave it there. Lucia Sinatra, thank you so much for joining us on the McCullough Report. Thank you, Dr. McCullough. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report.